Welcome back to Your Brain on Positive. All the love and support you need is residing inside of you. And we're going to make it easier to turn it on. Sometimes worlds collide and I meet the most amazing people and we recognize immediately something unique is coming. Well, that's what happened when I met Carolyn Hauser. I'm a firm believer in story first, facts later. So we're going to jump right into that. Carolyn, I am so excited. Please come into the studio. There you are. Oh, good. So let's start with simply sharing what's so good about your world. What is it like in the world, according to Carolyn? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, my story starts a little differently because I remember being up in the sky on the heavenly meadow with my peers looking down on the earth and being enveloped in light and just learning and playing. And one day God came and talked to us and said, hey, we have a problem down on earth. Men and women don't get along. Who wants to go and help? And without me even thinking, my hand just raised itself and that bought me a ticket to the earth. (laughs) Okay. A one-way ticket to earth. Got it. And sometimes I'm like, why did I do this? Right? Because obviously when you raise your hand to go down to earth to help men and women to get along, you get exposed or you get thrown into a life which makes sense, that has a lot of relationship challenges. So just a little background on where I come from. I'm from I was born in Germany, came to, to the U.S. when I was 26. On my parental, um, so on my mom's side, my grandparents, great-grandparents, they grew up during World War II. And so on my, and I'm starting out a little heavy, so excuse me, but it will make sense and, and just give you a really good glimpse of how my earthly journey started. So on my mom's side, she had eight grandparents, only four survived World War II. So my my grandparents were orphaned very young or half orphaned. And then on my dad's side, similar story. And then my parents get together and they, they try and do their best. But of course, their marriage doesn't last. Because of that happening, I leave my home way too soon. I, I leave when I'm 15 and a half. Um, fall in love, madly in love with an alcoholic. And anybody who's done that knows what that's like. <laughs> um, keep searching for myself. Keep searching for answers. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're 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 moving a little fast here for me because I want to just highlight something. There's an elephant in the room. The contrast between where you started and where you landed. What I'm hearing is that I volunteered. That you volunteered yes, I did. <laughs> to help improve relationships between men and women. And in order to gain those skills, you went through what we're going to call relationship hell. Yep, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be peeling back some layers and deep diving into parts of this, Carolyn. But yeah, okay, so continue. I'm with you now. We have gone from heaven to hell. Yes. Don't keep us there too long. But tell us what hell was like. Um, what was a typical day like? What was a typical day? Well, a lot of fighting, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of drama, a lot of um, volatility, a lot of instability. Um, 
and try and coping mechanisms, right? Like smoking, drinking, um, all kinds of things to try to deal with the instability and just, yeah, not being able to really be my the biggest thing was not being able to really be myself because my emotions were so triggered all the time. Right, that's part of the challenge of being human is our emotions, and that's what happens in relationships that are um, unstable. What impact did that have on your health and your wealth for you to be triggered all the time? Because we're not talking about positive emotional triggers here. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I'm guessing. We're not talking about positive emotional triggers here. No, oh. I pretty much spent my life and until my mid thirties, just in survival. I really couldn't figure out what to do with my purpose. I was just getting by. I was constantly just, it literally felt like an uphill battle there. I knew I was a very capable and very loving human being and just trying to make ends meet and having a career or anything just for us a total struggle, you know, success in any kind of sense. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So what turned it around? So after several other experiences like that, um, finally, in my, in, towards my end 30s, I came across um, scientific research that kind of explained why our relationships were so volatile. And it was very, very different from anything I had studied. I mean, I had spent my, te- my 20s and half of my 30s just, you know, in seminars, reading books and applying everything that I learned, but it would just never, 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 never work. And so when I came across this research, it was, an, it was a mind boggler. And it came to me through a friend who had, had found this book and uh, was skeptical about it, but she knew that I had literally tried everything. And she's basically said, well, you know, maybe this is the answer. And the, this has to do with our sexuality, which. <laughs> I need to know the title of the book. Okay. Come on. This is helped me now for, for seconds and minutes. And I'm like, what is the book? The book is called Cupid's poison arrow, right? Cupid is the one that makes us fall in love. And apparently his arrow is a little poisoned. And uh, the woman that wrote the book, her name is Marnia Robinson. She had a very similar experience in relationships that I had, which they start out great. You're super in love. You, you know, you like can't get enough of each other. And then something happens not too long after you meet and are in love and everything goes away and goes down the drain. And she, similar to me, wouldn't give up on believing that you could have a deeply bonded and a stable relationship between um, intimate lovers. And so she compiled, she spent 16 years of her life compiling what she's writing about in the book. And so basically her findings were that we as humans have two programs for lovemaking. One, the one that we all know leads to procreation and basically keeps us in a survival for the species program which makes it so that when we have sex in that way with each other, over time, we get bored with each other, fit up with each other because of what happens hormonally, our perception of each other changes and the curls start. Okay, so I'm going to call that sex for sex sake. How's that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so, so that's our natural evolutionary um, urge. Yeah, and that's all we know, you know, because we haven't well, been told about that there's another thing. 
But well, from an evolutionary point of view, that kind of makes sense because you would want to have a diverse gene pool. So you're supposed to get bored with each other. So you go find other mates. Exactly. And for men and women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I can see we're back in the caveman day that would strengthen the gene pool. Exactly. Yeah. You know, since our genes have not evolved that much, since it's not been that much time. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. You know, if we don't know any better, we fall under that spell or in that program. And, you know, that program is connected to our pleasure center. And as you probably know, dopamine is one of the one of the rewards that we're getting. And it's very addictive and makes us feel very good for a very short amount of time. But it's highly, highly you know, addictive or like we want it, like we crave it. And when that stops happening in our intimate relationships, we are naturally programmed to go seek it somewhere else. I'm finding this fascinating because I come from my guy's a car guy and my brain went, holy crap, that's planned obsolescence. People think they created that in the marketing world. And no, no, no. It was built into our genes that there would be planned obsolescence of a relationship. Okay, well, literally play tricks on us to make sure that the species survives, but it does not serve us as pair bonding mammals to create strong and lasting unions. Well, and now we have longer lives than the caveman. Yeah. And stronger unions would be good. We have this dream, the, the Cinderella story of happily ever after. Yeah. And yet what I'm hearing is that we are hardwired to not have that. Exactly. With one person. Exactly. Monogamy is not nature. Exactly. Okay. I'm with you. This is exciting. This is, I I think that what we can do now is give people an understanding of exactly what they've been living and how to fix it. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm a woman of a certain age with more than one marriage partner. And so (laughs) I lived the evolution and you're telling me that it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't have to be that way. And um, just to give you a little bit more, because I, I know that you like science too and neuroscience. So when we have an orgasm in the brain, we have a dopamine spike and they have done research on um, men ejaculating and people shooting heroin or cocaine. And on the MRI, it's the same exact thing. So Wow. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's the, it's a naturally induced high the same way as really bad drugs would give you. And just as addictive. Yeah. Just as addictive. And we don't look at it this way. And that wouldn't be a problem in itself if having such a, such a high spike in dopamine wouldn't mean that what comes up has to come down. So naturally for our brain and our chemist, biochemistry, our hormones, it takes two weeks if we don't do anything else to come back to homeostasis. During those two weeks, our mood is completely different. Our perception change, we feel depressed, we feel down, we are not motivated um, because of the dopamine low. Whoa, okay, whoa, 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 because I was thinking, cool, you know, great sex equals two weeks of happiness, and you're saying great sex, how long is the happiness before the dopamine drops? Seconds. What? Or maybe, you know, maybe you feel good. Well, usually you feel really tired right after, right? Most people go, go to sleep right away. Yeah. Right. That's part of it. 
Okay, so so one of my favorite authors called this the the after sex funk. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a post orgasmic drop. That's what it's called. It has a name. I like things that have names. Okay, the post orgasmic drop, yeah. and it's two weeks. If you don't, what could you do to shorten that period of time? Well, most people, because they don't want to feel crappy, either have another orgasm the next day, or they have coffee, or you know, foods that give you an energy spike, like food and sex are connected to the same pleasure center. So when we eat foods that have salt and sugar combined, which you don't find in nature and the food industry knows this, that's why, you know, that's why we crave fast food or things that aren't good for us because it's similar. It's the same pleasure center, the same dopamine release as set an orgasm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That explains a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of feeding either one appetite or the other. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And we're staying in this dopamine cycle. And over time, our brain receptors get um, desensitized. And so it's not just that we're not producing. Well, we would have to produce higher and higher amounts of dopamine. And then also our receptors become more. Well, it's why drug addicts have to have higher and higher doses. It's it's also why we have escalation in um, narcissistic style relationship paradigms. They escalate over time for the same reason. Um, Because you're right. I do love the neuroscience. Yeah. And it's the same with porn addiction. You know, the brain just wants more and more and more and more extreme to have just the same level of satisfaction in the natural things. Same when, same thing when we eat fast foods and apple doesn't taste good to us anymore. Normal connection feels completely boring, you know, so that's part of the danger of starting to be like be involved with porn or porn addiction, that normal connection feels totally boring. And that's really, really interesting. This parallel path between the, the food appetite and what happens with our taste buds. Yeah. Where we kind of if once we realize that we've been consuming a lot of junk food and we want to go back to more natural food, we have to give our taste buds time to reset. Yeah. And it's the pleasure center that needs to reset. Right. The, yeah. 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 So the taste buds connect to the pleasure center. We call it our taste buds, but I get it. Yeah. The pleasure center has to reset. We have to change the meaning of food. Yeah. And also, so what we think is pleasure is really short term gratification. And there's a different kind of pleasure. And when I work with people, I help them develop what I call their pleasure IQ, which works with a completely different set of hormones and makes it so that you living your purpose, you being yourself, you being healthy, all those things register as very, you know, stability, emotional connection, that those things can register as tremendously pleasurable in your brain, taking a breath. You know, normal things, normal life. Being present. Exactly. Oh, my God. I love this so much. And I love the fact that you just said pleasure and gratification are different. Yeah. So I'm writing that one down. Okay. So let's stitch this together a little bit. If someone were to decide that they've had enough, of short-term gratification and they want to go on a pleasure journey yeah 
I'm like, you know, that song Sentimental Journey started playing in my mind. You're going to take a pleasure journey. What would be the first step after that decision? Um, that's a good question. So the way I look at, at us as human beings is that we have actually, we have four, four parts to us. We have the physical, we have the emotional, we have the spiritual, and we have the energetic. And so I don't think you can just do one thing. It really has to address all four levels. So when I work with somebody on this journey, what we do is we work on all these levels. We, we, we work on the emotional through healing trauma, past traumas, because part of why people go for the instant gratification or already have a nervous system and a hormone system that's off balance, that's more prone to wanting the or needing the extreme is because of past trauma. So when we've gone through past traumas, it impacts our makeup. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow that puppy down. <laughs> you just said something really compelling to me. So say it again a little slower. The challenge that people have that they don't know that they have is that they're already off kilter if they had a traumatic experience earlier in their lives. Yeah. And not just them, but even when they come from, like me, a, tra a traumatic ancestry, because our DNA, the way we, our nervous system get pro gets programmed, comes from whatever our ancestors went through. But if they went through trauma, their biochemistry changes. And so they pass their changed biochemical makeup onto us and their, their proneness to being more in fight or flight than in a relaxed state of being is higher, for example, than somebody who comes from a totally peaceful so, ancestry. Okay. What I'm hearing is that if there's trauma in the history, yes. we're born with our triggers more sensitive. So yes. we are more prone to be traumatized even by things that might not traumatize someone else. Yes. Have a trauma response. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. This makes me cringe a little bit because of my own past thinking what I passed on to my children mm -hmm. and now to my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I'm invested. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask the elephant in the room question. If someone addresses from your experience, if someone addresses this in their present moment, in their present life, does this have an impact? Oh, on yeah. the genetics that have already been passed down, the people who've already been born. Yeah, it does. Because everything's energy. Ah. And Einstein taught us that everything's energy. And in the quantum field, there is no time and space. So when you go back in time and repair something, it goes simultaneously forward in the future. And I know it's a little bit out there, but we just have to rely on quantum physics to explain that. <laughs> so anyone who doesn't need to want to understand quantum physics, the short story, according to Jackie, is there your subconscious mind does not have time. Only your conscious mind does. Time yep. does not exist. No. So that, there's good and there's bad in that. And what I'm loving about this is you, we know the bad side. The bad side is that your threat, a perceived threat or the memory of a threat. This that I hadn't thought about it so much forward facing that our brains also can't tell the difference between a current love, a perceived love and a future love. 
So, and inv- that that's, did, did I get that? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting news. Yeah. Cool. So specific, All right. the, the process that I use, and that's really what, uh, what my, my skill set or my mastery is, and it's called family constellation. So you might have come across, it's a modality. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's, that's a big part of when I work with people, how we work on the trauma healing part, aside from teaching them how they can really um, help their physical body and their energetic body. And obviously spirituality is something very personal, but I just encourage people to find a practice, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need a specific spirituality, but um, I help people find something that resonates with them and help them feel more connected. So this is not a cookie cutter approach. This is, it has to match with who someone is, what they feel drawn to. How many resources are there in that realm of spirituality? If you were to give it a number, how many possible pathways could people explore to find their niche? What works for them? Um, I think a lot, you know, for some people it's nature, for other people it's movement, for other people it's service, for other people it's following a specific philosophy or guru. You know, there's lots of different Hindu traditions, Buddhist traditions, Orthodox traditions, Christian traditions, um, Islamic traditions. There is non-denominational traditions, there's universal, (laughs) you know, things. Um, I personally like the Lord's Prayer the most. Um, there is a, an esoteric Christian, a branch of esoteric Christianity, uh, which um, was founded by Mary Magdalene, who was believed to be was um, Jesus Christ's lover, companion. And um, they were very influential in, in Europe right after Jesus Christ died and had a big, big following, a big, big church and um unfortunately were all eradicated they knew about this other way of love making interestingly enough i did not know that when i when i started resonating with this spiritual tradition um they knew of a way to be together that created harmony and bonding and um their main practice is just the lord's prayer like that's what they use as a contemplating the lord's prayer because supposedly Jesus Christ told Mary Magdalene that that was really the key to heaven, understanding each, there's six or seven lines in the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer, really understanding the meaning, the depth behind it. The the Gnostics, that's what they're called, they had a, a six-petaled rose that they would um, create a labyrinth out of, and each one, each rose petal was for one of the, paragraphs in the Lord's Prayer, and that's how they would meditate on it. And some cool. of the French cathedrals have those patterns still. And yeah, it's just a little history, but. All right. We're going to come back from the the Lord's Prayer because there are, um, there are a lot of prayers yeah. and they get involved. And there are also mantras there are anything that helps someone reconnect to their spirituality is the right thing for them. So you can't, this is truly a place where I believe you can't do it wrong. Yeah. Now that we've gone from heaven to relationship hell to the pivot, which is this understanding that there's a way to shift from sex for sex sake into what did you call it? Harmony and bonding sex for harmony. 
yeah, and bonding. Yeah. All right. So tell us what that journey is like. What What is so good about that? What's really good about that is that it involves a very different set of hormones, basically the same hormones that an infant and a mother, when they're bonding, um, produce and yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's oxytocin. So oxytocin, <laughs> when, when, we, when we have a lot of oxytocin flowing in us, we feel peaceful, happy, alive. It uses us. It makes us more relaxed and therefore more creative, more resourceful. Um, there's a lot of health benefits. It relaxes our nervous system. It improves our immune system. It improves our hormone system. Addiction falls away. Chronic pain falls away. Relationship struggles fall away because you don't go on the up, the up and down from the dopamine. It's a steady increase of um, supply, basically. Oh, so instead of spike and drop, yeah, you have um, what's the right word? It, it builds on each effect. other. It's an accumulative effect. There we go. A cumulative effect. Yeah. Ooh. With all of the things that you just said, fall away. Nature abhors a vacuum. What comes in? When all of those things fall away, when the relationship struggles fall away, when the um, addictions fall away, what comes in? When I, I'm thinking of it, when the drama is gone, what comes in? Harmony, peace, you know, stability. Where? Okay, my brain immediately goes to how soon does that become boring? It does not become boring. <laughs> okay, why not? What's the cure? What because it keeps it from getting, being born? Because it keeps getting better and better and better. Oh. You start, you start feeling electric. You start feeling enlivened. You start, it just keeps getting better and better and better because it keeps building, right? There is no stop to it as long as you keep practicing. Got it's it. It's a practice. Okay. So let's see if we can give people the keys to the practice so that they are aware. Okay. So how many keys are we going to give them today? That's a really good question because even though it sounds simple to learn a new way of lovemaking because of our brain being programmed for thousands and thousands of voice years for the other way, it is not that easy. But the key is really people think that it's just sex without orgasm. It's not that. It's very it's completely different. So the first key is to understand Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said something. There's an elephant. <laughs> People think it's just sex without orgasm. Yeah. Okay. That's an elephant. We're going to call that a, a, a game stopper. What do they call those? Show stoppers? Yeah. Oh. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to wrap my head around this for just a second. And I'm going to say, um, this sounds a lot like making out. Yeah. I remember doing that, you know, back, back in high school. Yeah. Um, so is that sort of what we're talking about? No, because the key is to understand that it's not something that you've ever done. Okay. All right. So, yeah, well, that would be true because otherwise I might not have the history that I have. Yeah. Right. It's, so this, it's a, you know, making out will start feeling really, really good, but it is intercourse. It's just very different. It's okay. very slow and very deeply relaxing together while having intercourse. So it's very, very different. There's like no. Okay. So, so what we're talking about is a, 
intimate partner shift in how the whole intimacy in the relationship is being engaged in. Yeah. It goes goes away from genital friction, basically, which that's what makes us orgasm, basically, Mm -hmm. to being connected physically, but learning to deeply, deeply relax together. And because of that, our skin on our genitals and on our body starting to feel way more sensitive and everything becomes pleasurable. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, they made a song that I fell in love with and it was like, I can feel you breathe. Yeah. And that is resonating in my head as though that's what this experience would be. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly I'm melting into you. And you get to a place of feeling at one with each other, right? Also, like the more you can relax and learn to relax deeply. um, um, And so the, the people think when they get married, they create a sacred union. But then they don't have a practice to meet a sacred union or a deeply bonded union or a, a good functioning love relationship takes a practice. And so this this way of lovemaking to me is that practice that you do every day to make sure that your bond is actually staying and growing. And it's a literal physical biochemical bond. Got it. As opposed to a marriage bond, yeah. this is a biochemical bond. It's like a real, say that again. It's a real, like a physiological, biological, emotional, real bond, not just a word that you said one time, you know, or like an idea. Okay. So it's not a concept anymore. It's an experience. Yeah. That's really, really fascinating. Okay. Let's go there. Let's play with this because you've been a practitioner helping people figure this out. For people who are not in a primary relationship, what impact would understanding this have on their lives? I think it would help them understand why relationships might not have worked in the past and hopefully inspire them when they find somebody new to introduce them to this and see if this resonate if it resonates, you know, if it resonates, then find somebody who re- this resonates with too and start the relationship in this way and not in a traditional way. Cool. All right. So what this could be is the preventative for the repetitive pattern of problems that they may have had in other relationships. Exactly. Yeah. And a solution and a, and a tool to help them really create stability in the next one. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I like that. Let's prevent the problem and have the guide to create what you really want. Yep. All right. So for you, it all started with a book. Where else could people start on this journey? Reading so where the could book, they get more information? Yeah, reading the book is where, you know, where I have everybody start. And then there is not that much out there. You know, there really isn't that much out there. Um, you can, in the book, in the back, Marnia puts together a three-week program. And they're called the Exchanges, Ecstatic Exchanges. Um, and you have to say that word slowly. The three-week program called what? The Ecstatic Exchanges. Ah, ecstatic exchanges okay that sounds like a fun program to take yep yep so you can take yourself through that but in my experience it's really not that easy there's not that many people that that um guide guide people in this um marnia wrote the book but she doesn't really teach um 
I don't know of anybody else who actually teaches people and helps them transition other than myself. I don't want to top my horn, but. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I would not have invited you if you were not an expert in this field. Yeah. The fact that you might be the only expert in the field who's teaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and creating something and as an experience for people is why you're here. All right. I don't I don't go for the masses here. I want the people who are on the cutting edge and leading edge of making life better. And that is you, Carolyn. So we will make sure that we have your website and stuff in the show notes, because I know they can get some more information there. But you also have a podcast of your own, right? Yes. It's called How to Make Love Last. How to Make Love Last. Cool. So we will make sure that that podcast link is in the show notes for everyone, because how to make love last is actually a really um, compelling place, especially for me as I have grandkids now coming of age, coming into adulthood. And it's an interesting world that we live in where we have disposable everything. And to have a relationship that's not disposable. Yep. Sounds like a gift to the world. Even if one person in the one, one couple in a family who create a love that lasts would impact everyone around them. I'm a firm believer in the power of resonance. Yeah. So this is how we can create heaven on earth. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I like that. So, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The World According to Jackie, where we bring you the short course on how to create heaven on earth. I might take that up as a new tagline. But in the meantime, this fits under my philosophy of putting your own emotional oxygen mask on first. Let's fix your primary relationship. Let's deep dive and make it one that you know is going to last in love. Yes. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming into my world and bringing your world and sharing it with the tribe. And I just want to know what's changed in your world personally, since you have been on this journey. Well, I went from doing a lot of dishes and diapers and not living my purpose and just, you know, really, really struggling and not having a, not knowing my path to now having a thriving business, um, two beautiful children, um, serving my purpose, living this, living, living. I'm I'm completely living the the life that I came here to live. So there you go, there you go. Okay, now I'm going to ask another question. Where in your life did you wake up and remember? that this is what you were supposed to do. The, when did your purpose tap you on your shoulder again? Um, I kind of knew the whole time, but because my relations were so tumultuous, I didn't feel qualified. And then finally I was like, you know what? I don't care any longer. Like I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be the poster child. I have skills, you know, and yeah, I, have I, love, I have a deep love for humanity and for us doing this together. You know, I'm just one step ahead. It's not like I have mastered all of this, but I've been in, exposed to it a little longer than most people. 
this is true. It is a world-changing awareness, Carolyn. Thank you so much for bringing it to our awareness today. And actually, before I get off, also, on my when people go to my website, I do have a free training on there for everybody. I wanted to mention that to really help like bring love and attraction back. So Cool. We like that. Yeah. We like that. Okay, let's get you what you need. Let's get it to you now. And we will make sure that that link is there with that information that, hey, this is their first step. Go to my website, get my free training, read the book, and then let's talk. Exactly. Cool. Now those are steps I can follow. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for turning on and turning up your positivity. We know that positivity is easier to maintain in a community. So we have one. Join our community on Facebook, Your Brain on Positive. If you've had an aha from the show, please head over to the community and share it. We love to celebrate wins. 